Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is a podcast where we discuss construction safety, typically trench excavation and confined space safety, but we also examine other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. Today's topic is one that often creates confusion on job sites, and that is what type of trench protection systems can I use around manhole units? We welcome Glenn McCord, Region Product Development Manager for United Rentals, to the podcast, who can maybe shed some light on this very confusing topic. So, Glenn, why does this particular application create so much confusion to contractors on the job? Well, Rick, first of all, thanks for having me on today. Manhole shoring can be confusing um, and shielding because there are so many different varieties of shielding and shoring that can be used. And as we've always discussed, each job site can be different. So that could be the ground conditions could be different. The surcharges that are faced could be different. So a lot of different variables go into choosing the correct uh, methodology for shoring or shielding a manhole. And uh, that's that's probably how folks would get confused out there. We went over this in a previous episode, but it, it does bear repeating. What is the difference between shielding and shoring? So shielding is in place uh, in order to protect us. A uh, simple word, it would be protect. Whereas shoring is there to prevent, and it's a more of an active system, uh, preventing a cave-in or uh, so something like that to happen. So shielding is a passive system that is designed to protect you from a cave-in. Shoring is an active system. It actually applies pressure to the sides of your excavation to prevent a cave-in from taking place. Both are effective in their applications. They just have different applications. Now, when it comes to safety protective systems around manholes, there are some that are quite simple, and then there are some that are a little bit more complex. Manholes, uh, as you look at it, across uh, the US and North America, manholes will have a different de different definitions. So some manholes will be referred to storm and sewer applications. Those are typically a, a round manhole. Um, and then manholes can also be referred to in the electrical and mechanical field as well. And those are typically more of what we would term a vault or a, a rectangular concrete structure of that might be poured in place or be a precast. But all those can, you know, all those have different applications for shoring and and shielding. And so when we start in shielding, you know, we can, you know, dive into all the different shielding applications that are out there and available to us. Uh, there, there is a wide variety of those. Uh, it could be anything that might uh, be surrounding an aluminum situation, such as Build-A-Box. Build-A-Box or MAPS boxes as they can be referred to, are a lighter weight modular system. Uh, they're used with smaller equipment out there. And, and earlier you talked about what creates confusion. Another area of confusion for folks is just making sure they choose the right shoring or shielding product that can be used with the equipment that they have on site. Uh, so that, that um, presents a lot of different scenarios. So if we were out on a job site and we were digging, uh, the, the contractor might be digging with a backhoe, we might say. Uh, then we might want to look at a lighter weight solution uh, from a shielding standpoint. That might be a MAPS box or a Build-A-Box style shoring system, or it might be uh, a round manhole shield. Uh, those that have uh, some popularity in various parts of the United States, and, and literally it's a, a culvert style 
uh, pipe that has a ring welded at the top and the bottom. Uh, you can put legs on it uh, to extend them in, within an excavation, but uh, lighter weight and, and easily to be used. Those are good to be used in scenarios where the ground conditions where you can dig and set shoring. As we proceed from there, uh, we can start looking at other uh, situations. So if we have, uh, if we're doing a manhole set and we have pipe that's running through it, uh, we may need to use a more traditional type of shoring that's called a manhole shield. A manhole shield is typically a single wall or double wall trench shield. When we start getting into manhole shields, um, we need to consider whether or not utilities are coming straight through the application, whereas we have a pipe run coming into a manhole and then exiting straight through there, or whether or not we might also have pipes that might be coming in uh, at a 90 degree angle. If that's the case, then you know the contractor is going to need to be aware of that and a right shoring solution will need to be chosen so that it will allow for those pipes to pass straight through or come in at a 90 degree angle. And there are shoring systems for that um, within the manhole shield or, or other varieties of shields. Oftentimes they'll have an opening or we call it a dog door that allows for those pipes to, to enter and exit safely and are still compliant within uh, the tabulated data. From manhole shields, we go into a tapping shield. Tapping shields are gonna be a solid walled uh, type of a shield, solid walls on all four sides. And th those can have doors on those as well. Uh, they are typically a little bit heavier because now you have um, a single or double wall on all four sides versus potentially just on uh, more of a U-shape like a manhole shield. And then octagon shields, that's something that's a little bit more popular in parts of the country, the Northwest in particular. Basically, it's a square shield or a tapping shield, but has cut off corners so that you don't have to dig a square hole. Most contractors, though, will tell you they do dig, dig a square hole for manholes. Uh, but the octagons have gained a lot of popularity uh, in those markets. Really what it does is it takes the advantages of a a solid wall or tapping shield, and it's usually a three-inch wall versus four-inch wall, so it's a little bit lighter. Uh, it's single-walled versus double-walled, so again, it's cutting out some weight. And when you backfill against it, um, it allows you to be able to pull that shield easily. Cutouts allow you to actually have that utility passing through, and the system actually goes all the way to the bottom. So if you're using it in sandy soil, if you're using it in very wet soil where you would have that sloughing coming off from the from the outside of the shield, inside the trench, but outside the shield and coming in underneath it, that's where those those cutouts, the dog doors, if you will, really come into play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the shielding typically is going to go to the bottom of the excavation, specifically if water is present in those types of scenarios, you need to ensure that you are providing shielding to the base of the excavation. You know, if water is not present, then there are systems that allow for the use of legs, but a more traditional approach is to have the dog doors. And so we go from talking to about the octagon shield, there's a round shield. Yes, yeah, so we spoke about this a little bit earlier, and, and it's, a, uh, it's had some areas of popularity around the United States. Essentially, it's a, a round culvert pipe in various dimensions, most commonly an eight, eight and a half foot circular um, dimension. And 
It's got a uh, it's got a ring welded at the top and the bottom. They're actually uh, they're very lightweight. Typically, like an eight foot manhole or or shoring can will weigh about eighteen hundred to two thousand pounds. So not very heavy. But the downside to them is if you look at the tabulated data for those particular type that particular type of shielding, it's going to say that it needs to be backfilled up against. And we all know that if we're backfilled up against a corrugated material, it makes it pretty difficult in order to pull that. Um, most contractors in the past will use a shield like that in a very tightly cut hole where it has no room for lateral movement in the hole. They have a depth rating in their 24 foot range, so you can go very deep with them. And that's because of that round design that actually provides the ability to get deeper in some instances than, than other types of shields. And then there's another one that I kind of like the name of it. It's uh it's a pit hit. And I'm thinking that that is more of a common term as opposed to the official term for that piece of equipment. Yeah. A pit kit is really just two trench shields that are married together in the corners with what are called pit connectors. So you're utilizing the, the seven inch collars that accommodate eight inch pipe typically for a trench shield, but you're using those collars in combination with uh, some connectors so that you're connecting in all four corners in order to make one solid walled shield out of two trench shields. That type of a shield um, is also, you know, very nice from a standpoint of uh, we've done some cost compa comparisons out there where it can be advantageous for the contractor to look at that type of an application versus a slide rail system that we'll talk about later. Does that limit the depth rating for that particular system, or is the depth rating the same utilizing the tabulated data for those particular shields? That's a great question. So the depth rating would be uh, the depth rating associated to those individual shields. They are heavier because you're looking, you're lifting two trench shields at one time. And so the installation might be a bit of a challenge there. Yeah, where you might have been able to get away with a smaller piece of equipment, now you're looking at a larger size of uh, machinery that's required just to pick because of the pure weight of it. And now a word from our sponsor. In today's world, it is critical to have a partner that puts safety at the forefront. A partner who understands what you're up against. A partner you can count on to get you what you need when you need it. That's why United Rentals is here for you. Combining equipment, safety, experience, and data to help your team get the job done. United Rentals, here to help with the equipment and tools you need. To find a store nearest you, visit unitedrentals.com or call 1-800-U-R-RENTS. And then you can just get into also just using a standard two-sided shield. Yeah, so we could use a standard two-sided shield. Um, with either some sheeting, uh, KD sheeting, some sheet, uh, sheet pile and or steel plate on the ends. Now, the tab data that will come from the manufacturers will not support the use of sheeting against the end of a shield. They call that radial loading, where load is being applied to the ends of the shield. But uh, there are site-specific designs out there that can be utilized um, to have sheeting on the ends of two-sided shields. And there is some technical data sheets out there that suggest that you could use a, a like for example, you use a half inch uh, steel plate or bigger, depending on the manufacturer, you could use a steel plate to end cap that shield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
oftentimes the manufacturer will not have a problem with a, a plate uh, being used as if it's applied against the ends of the shield itself. Where it gets sticky is when you start uh, trying to rest those against the spreader pipe. And one way to get around that um, is that some of the, the shoring supply companies out there will offer is instead of using a, a standard round spreader pipe, uh, you might utilize a beam, a 14 by 80, you know, 89 or, or whatever beam would be specified there that is uh, adapted to be used uh, over the spreader collar. So that, that beam offers additional support that a, the standard round eight inch schedule 80 pipe would not provide. So those are our shield options. Now getting into shoring a little bit, what type of shoring applications could potentially be used in this? Yeah, absolutely. And and I always like to start off again with, you know, what size of equipment do, do we have on site? And, you know, what are we faced from a crossing utilities standpoint? Um, a, a not typically user-friendly way to go, but is you can use it with lightweight equipment would be just standard hydraulic shoring. Single jacks um, that are going to be um, crisscrossed, for lack of better phrasing, uh, within the excavation, but still need to fall within the parameters of the tabulated data for hydraulic shoring. So you could crisscross them but and leave a opening large enough to, to set a manhole structure potentially. Uh, that would probably be best with a, a round style that would be in that 48-inch range, which a 48-inch manhole is typically what's used in most subdivisions. You know, 8-inch pipe is running through it, 48-inch in, inside diameter. When you're looking at something like that, if, if it's not going to be very deep, then hydraulic shoring may, may be an option to, to, again, keep the equipment light and to still be able to, you know, provide the, the shoring that's required for that particular application. The next step up from that is a, is a much cleaner solution, really. It's called manhole bracing. Manhole bracing, if you envision, Rick, a system where you have hydraulic shores that are in a square or rectangle configuration pinned together in the corners that pump out in all four directions, you can put a variety of sheeting behind it. So it could be steel plate, it could be KD sheeting, it could be fin form that can be used. And for that, you know, the, the end user really needs to refer to the tabulated data uh, specific to the manhole bracing, but they're they're put in and actually placed in as you dig down into the excavation. So you know you would dig a pilot hole, put in your sheeting, drop in your first level of manhole brace, and pump that out into place, and then continue to excavate down and install additional rings per the tabulated data. But again, it's a nice lightweight um, way to go. It can be used very easily when you have a lot of crossing utilities because it can be assembled in the hole legally as you go down as long as you're compliant to the manufacturer's tabulated data. And then uh, uh, the next version of, of manhole bracing is you see this a lot in, in the California market, specifically in the Bay Area is where I've seen the most of these are what they call a hydraulic or expandable uh, manhole shield. You would have maybe two static sides and two uh, dynamic sides that are hydraulically activated. Um, and that what they do is they take the manhole brace and then they're going to there'll be either uh, a wood frame around the outside of it, uh, utilizing plywood and or fin form uh, or steel for that matter. But it's it's overlapping. But what it does is you're able to pump that out and then push that out against the sidewall in, in two directions to hold that into place and to to shield uh, or I should say to shore that particular application 
so you wouldn't have any issues. But again, it's a it's a positive pressure system. One of the benefits to that system is that it can be used as an active system as applying pressure to the sides, but at the same time, it could be a static system, Correct. like just your standard shield system. And so you could technically lower that into, into a trench or an excavation and use it as just your common standard type of trench shield. That's correct. And the last two types of systems that are out there um, are more site-specific engineered applications when you're talking about bad soil conditions, when you're talking about uh, going deep and or larger structures. Slide rail is an option for manholes. Uh, there will be times where you'll need to utilize that when we start getting into that 20, 25 plus foot depth range. Um, slide rail is a really nice option for that, specifically when there's bad ground conditions or a larger structure. Um, and as you get deeper, you oftentimes need to dig a larger hole. So to be able to dig inside uh, to get to that depth for an excavator to reach to that depth, you're going to need to be able to have a little bit of larger hole. And that's where a slide rail system could come into play. Also, um, some newer technology that's out there within the last 10 or so years, but uh, the Mega Brace, which Mega Brace is essentially a, a hydraulic shoring system on steroids or a manhole brace system on steroids. Uh, you can do some very large deep excavations uh, utilizing that. It can be utilized with um, sheeting. It can be utilized with uh, beam and plate application or, you know, and other types of, of shoring applications. So it's pretty versatile. Uh, they, it is site-specific engineered each time. There isn't tabulated data that goes along with the MakerBrace system, so it would have to be stamped by a licensed PE. We've seen even applications of Mega Brace where they have actually put load sensors on the ends of the struts. And so they can, in real time, even monitor the, the amount of load that's being applied to the system. And if it needs to be changed because of the amount of load and the increase in load, then they can actually make those changes. Yes. Yeah. The load sensing pins uh, are a really nice feature that offers uh, a lot of peace of mind out there to really understand what's what that system is seeing. Is that, you know, on a construction project, there's a great chance that, you know, the, the temperatures are going to change throughout the day. That affects what that loading that system is going to see. Um, if you're near water or maybe a tidally influenced area, that's certainly going to affect what's happening. And then to all the other common stuff that happens on a construction site, whether that might be concrete trucks or um, dump trucks coming or going from job sites and just ensuring that the workers in the hole are safe. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, is to ensure that everyone goes home the same way that they showed up that day. And if we have additional mechanisms, such as a load sensing pin, that provide us good data to ensure the safety of our workers, uh, that's very valuable. So what other key takeaways should contractors know regarding these specific applications? Well, the key takeaways here are, you know, what is the application? What are you trying to achieve? Um, what are the soil conditions that uh, we're faced with on a particular project? And then what type of equipment are we going to be utilizing? And when we, we have those conversations, when we understand what that looks like, that ensures the best mechanism for success because we should be, uh, you know, having those conversations with the competent person on site, um, whether it's a shoring supplier that comes in to a job site that we are, you know, make sure we have as much information so we can choose the right shielding or shoring for that application. 
So this has been Behind the Standards with United Rentals. Should you have any questions about this topic or have suggestions about other topics we can discuss, send an email to yourtspodcast at ur.com. On behalf of Glenn and myself, I want to thank you all for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.